Welcome to CPAC Today in Politics. Coming up, protests continue on the campaign trail. We all had a difficult year. And those folks out protesting, they had a difficult year too. And I know and I hear the anger, the frustration, perhaps the fear. And I hear that. And I know we have to work even harder to be there for each other, to support each other. And we need to meet that anger with compassion. The latest polls are still showing a very close race. It's starting to look like uh, things that, you know, supporters of the Liberal Party thought were, were givens or not. Uh, Aaron O'Toole, by most accounts, is performing expectations. The polls suggest that. And the government continues to face criticism over the handling of the situation in Afghanistan. Over a month ago, Many veteran and military families were desperately pleading with the government and Mr. Trudeau for months to help translators, other support people in Afghanistan who were at risk. And Mr. Trudeau did nothing. It's Monday, August the 30th. I'm Mark Sutcliffe. Let's get right to the top stories from the campaign trail today. Joining us is Peter Van Dusen, CPAC's executive producer and the host of Primetime Politics. Good morning, Peter. Thank you for joining us. Hi, Mark. Good to talk to you again. So let's talk about the protests that have been happening during this campaign. They they escalated to a boiling point over the weekend when one of Justin Trudeau's campaign events was was actually canceled because uh, people felt that it wasn't safe to move forward. Um, Trudeau has been encountering protesters and has had his events disrupted by people heckling him, shouting things uh, throughout this campaign. Um, what's going on there, and to what extent is do you think this is becoming a theme in this campaign? Well, there's certainly a, you know, it, it's sort of hard to tell exactly how many people we're talking about. There's clearly some angry people unhappy with, uh, you know, the, the some of the vaccine requirements, some of the lockdown requirements that we've seen across the country. So they're making it, you know, uh, making a very public statement about it at these campaign events. You know, I, I'm not sure, Mark, I've I've ever seen it in all the campaigns I've covered, uh, this kind of vitriol and this kind of anger directed at a at a politician. I mean, we've seen, you know, like, let's not pretend that stuff doesn't happen, uh, but a sustained sort of uh, level of anger uh, that is discomforting in a lot of ways, uh, you know, at these campaign events. And it's it's seen by a lot of people as, as an attack on the basic fundamentals of democracy. You know, politicians have a right to campaign. People have a right to hear them. And in some cases, that's being blocked uh, with a with a, a dangerous threat level that, you know, in the, in the case of the liberal leader, people don't feel the, uh, that his campaign events can, can go ahead. I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, the sort of continuing reaction from uh, Justin Trudeau's political opponents. I mean, it's being condemned. Uh, but I wonder if it'll be more forcefully condemned. Uh, you, you know, at some point, politicians are going to be compelled to come down on, on one side or the other of this. And so far, they're all on the side of this is not what we want to see in a democracy. But does it get more forceful than that? Is there more of a unified response, uh, you know, calling mm. out uh, the people who do this and and taking really sort of strong positions about how it's not expected, not desired, uh, not wanted, uh, in a democracy, especially during an election campaign, which is supposed to be a, you know, a sort of a battle of ideas, and in this case, it's it's you know it's becoming, uh, 
you know, I think a lot of people view this as an attempt to shut down ideas. You don't have to agree with what Justin Trudeau is saying. Does he have the right to say it? And does he have a right to campaign, uh, you know, with supporters and other people who might want to hear the message? And do protesters have a right to protest? Uh, I think everybody believes they do. Do they have a right to shut down the event completely because of their anger? I think a lot of, you know, Canadians are asking questions about that. Yeah. All right, Peter, let's take stock of where we are two weeks into this campaign with three weeks until Election Day. Uh, It's a lot closer race than many people had forecast. There's still a lot of runway ahead of us, of course. Uh, But do you think it's fair to say at this point that uh, that the the Liberal Party, which, of course, triggered this election, uh, maybe underestimated what was about to happen during this campaign, that they thought the timing was good for them and that and that Aaron O'Toole would not perform well on the campaign trail and that with people having been vaccinated, there would be general optimism in the community. Uh, it's, it seems like this is more of a fight than they expected. Yeah, it's it starting to feel that way. It's starting to look like uh, things that, you know, supporters of the Liberal Party thought were, were givens are not. Uh, Aaron O'Toole, by most accounts, is uh, performing expectations. The polls suggest that. Uh, Jagmeet Singh, his personal popularity is rising. So uh, I I think a lot of people expected that would happen. He had nowhere to go but up, and he's a likable guy. Everybody says that. You watch him campaign. He's, uh, you know, seems compassionate. He seems to have, uh, you know, a genuine interest in in the well-being of others. So those are things you can measure. Um, You know, I, I... I'm not sure if if the people who wanted the election call and the Liberals really properly at this point measured the appetite for the election and for this, uh, you know, the timing being this this offer in the window about uh, change. It's kind of it feels a little bit like you know they announced there was a big sale, and then when people got to the sale, uh, they just told them it's a really big sale. Uh, they didn't actually show them what's I mean the promise of this election and the you know, Justin Trudeau said it from day one. This is a chance for Canadians to weigh in on the big changes of our future, how we should go on to deal with the pandemic. And, and really what it's been a campaign about is a campaign about, you know, we believe in vaccination. Uh, the other guy doesn't or certainly doesn't believe in mandatory vaccinations for public servants and travelers. Uh, we believe in the need to, you know, uh, reimagine the economy, but so far we haven't seen a whole lot of details of exactly how that happens. We know climate change, the green economy, diversity are at the center of it, uh, but we haven't seen the details. Uh, whereas, you know, the Conservatives and the NDP rolled out kind of detailed platforms right at the front end of the election, and so you know exactly what it is uh, they put in the sale window, and we still don't know exactly what it is the Liberals are offering except this idea of a reimagined uh, Canada after the pandemic with lots of change. Uh, now, we're, we're going to get a campaign platform from the Liberals at some point, and I was talking to a number of people this weekend who said they, they should move sooner and later, uh, sooner rather than later, to put some, some of these big ideas in the window because people are, you know, wondered what the election, a lot of Canadians wondered what the election call was about at the beginning, and, and some of them are wondering even more so what it's about because they haven't seen what the grand plan is from the Liberals. Yeah. And in the meantime, of course, they're they're also having to answer questions about uh, their handling of the situation in Afghanistan. And that that's a story that's been playing out now for two full weeks. And Mark Arnault, the foreign affairs minister, was answering questions in a televised interview yesterday. 
um, and and almost acknowledge that that it wasn't handled I, in an ideal fashion. Um, uh, it, it's not the type of issue that would normally become a theme during an election campaign, but it feels like it has in this case. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's so let's go back to what we were just talking about, Mark. I think, you know, one of the things you do if you're the governing party in, in an election is that heading into the election, you make sure you have a plan to control everything you can control. And it comes back to our conversation about the big ideas are in the window. Uh, let's put everything in front of Canadians. Let's make sure that the election plan we have is, you know, is is locked down and it's hard and fast and there's no surprises in that. We know what all our candidates are going to be talking about. We know what the messaging is. We will be able to answer questions about, in detail about our housing plan, our climate plan. These are going to be all the things we can control so that if we do get things we, we can't control, uh, we won't need to be trying to fight this dual fight where we're still working on policy and trying to answer questions about what it is we want for Canada. And while we're on the other side over here trying to handle this crisis, we didn't expect to pop up. So, you know, I think what's happening here is that there's this sort of two-track challenge in that, uh, you know, the election fight uh, could be going better. And uh, over here you have the handling of the Afghanistan crisis, which is raising a lot of questions for Canadians and a lot of criticism from Canadians when, you know, there should be smooth sailing on the election side and be able to handle the crisis over here uh, full-time and with your full attention without worrying about trying to get re-elected. So I think there's lots of questions about, uh, yeah, how well was it handled? Clearly, lots of questions. And again, I take it away from the politicians. I think you and I have talked about this before, Mark, when the veterans and the, the, the generals who commanded Canadian troops and NATO troops in Afghanistan are saying uh, this was a mess and improperly handled. That's not politicians saying it. It's people who are on the front lines who tried to say to the government, you need to get on this, you know, weeks and months ago. And it was slow happening. And now... Canada's playing catch-up, as a lot of other countries are as well. Everybody got caught off guard by the, the speed of the advance of the Taliban. But um, did it have to be that way for Canada? A lot of the people who were involved uh, at the ground level say, no, it didn't have to be. We told them months ago to start getting these interpreters out because, you know, Afghanistan's spiraling out of control and um, the reaction wasn't quick enough. Yeah. All right. Anything else you expect in the in the days ahead? Um, there's a there's a French language debate coming up, and then of course, once the Labor Day weekend passes, we'll be into uh, the the two main debates. Um, so, what will you be watching for in the in the days ahead? I'll be watching this some of the standard things you watch for in election campaign, uh, Mark. And I know a lot of our listeners uh, are you know are students of that, and they get it. But for, maybe for some who aren't, uh, watch where the leaders go. Uh, right. that'll tell you the story of how they think the campaign is going. If the Liberals start going to a bunch of seats they already hold, it means those seats are in trouble. If the Conservatives start going to a bunch of seats they don't hold, it means they think they're they're closing in on some gains and are trying to consolidate those. Same with the NDP. Uh, that'll be an interesting story, I think, in the next couple of weeks, is if you know, Jagmeet Singh's personal popularity is rising, the challenge is, uh, as we saw with, you know, the late Jack Layton was able to convert that personal popularity into wins in terms of uh, seat numbers. Can Jagmeet Singh do that? And if he's able to do that, that's going to be another problem for the Liberals to have to deal with. And uh, how does watch Aaron O'Toole's campaign? If the Conservatives start to look like they're running a front-runner's campaign, and I say, as I said, the Liberals uh, are looking to try and, uh, you know, as 
in colloquial terms, look like they're trying to save the furniture. Uh, that'll tell us a lot about how they think the campaign's going. Yeah. All right, Peter, we'll see what this week brings. Thank you so much for joining us today. Always a pleasure, Mark. Take care. That's CPAC's Peter Van Dusen. We need to listen to each other and lean on each other and look to make the future brighter and more hopeful for everyone. Now, here's what political columnists and commentators are writing about today. In the Toronto Star, Robin Sears asks if the politics of hope have backfired on Justin Trudeau. Sears writes, Until just days ago, my assumption was that the Tories would once again dip into their angry wedge playbook and Justin Trudeau would once more roll out his claim of sunny ways. Astonishingly, it's Aaron O'Toole who appears to have mastered the politics of hope and change. For the Liberals, it is this old political chestnut that is the most ominous. When the wheels begin to fall off your campaign bus early, it's very, very hard to get them back on again. In McLean's, Philippe J. Fournier considers the Conservative surge and the Liberal slide. Fournier writes, It was another difficult week for Justin Trudeau's Liberals in public opinion polls. Seat-wise, the Liberals have fallen to an average of 140 seats from coast to coast, and the Conservatives have caught up to them. In 2015 and 2019, Justin Trudeau had his best campaign performances as the underdog in the race. Will he manage to repeat this feat, or will the 2021 campaign become the one campaign too many for Trudeau? What at first appeared to be a boring federal election has become anything but. In an editorial, the Toronto Sun argues Joe Biden is no friend to Canada. The Sun writes... Biden's first act upon becoming president was to cancel the Keystone XL pipeline. Afghanistan was another disastrous betrayal of his friends. And he has done nothing tangible to help free Canadians Michael Kovrig and Michael Spavor from their unjust imprisonment in China. Biden's final betrayal is surely his refusal to open the land border between Canada and the U.S., even though this country permitted our southern neighbours to cross as of August 9th. With friends like Joe Biden... Canada doesn't need enemies. Now, here's what's coming up on the campaign trail today. Conservative leader Aaron O'Toole is in the Toronto area, where he will make an announcement and hold a news conference. He'll also attend an event with supporters this evening. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh will make an announcement in Ottawa before heading to B.C. for a meet-and-greet with supporters in Ladysmith. Bloc Québécois leader Yves-François Blanchet will hold two news conferences in Montreal, and Green Party leader Annemi Paul will be in private meetings. And that's CPAC Today in Politics for Monday, August 30th. Tune in to CPAC and CPAC.ca throughout the day today for coverage of the federal election campaign. And join me for Have Your Say every weekday on CPAC at 12 Eastern Time. Our podcast returns tomorrow morning. Have a great day.